0: Satan's program is to make this world religious without Christ. The Word of God is very clear on this point. Satan loves to operate in the field of religion. This week on Connecting the Gap, we're going to continue our study on prophecies of the Bible, continuing through Matthew in the New Testament. We're going to get into that right after this. Welcome, once again, to Connecting the Gap. This is my podcast. I'm Daniel Moore, your host. Thank you for joining me this week. And we've got a lot to get through. Last week, just got through a couple, about two or three parables. So I want to try to get through a little bit more this week. So we're going to jump right into it here in a minute as we continue our study on Connecting the Gap here on Prophecies of the Bible. It's based on a study by Damon Duck. Thank you again. And you can go to my website, connectingthegap.net. Check out all my podcasts there and my Rumble and my YouTube channel. Also, my blog is there as well. I post a blog every once in a while. And then if you are not saved, if you'd like to know more about who Jesus is and how to come to a life living for him, I have a page there that has just a real brief synopsis of how to become a Christian and if that's an interest to you and you'd like to do so and still have more questions, please contact me. You can either email Daniel at connectingthegap.net or you can also fill out the form there on the website and send that in as well. Love to hear from you. As I said, we're going to get started this week on connecting the Gap in Matthew and we're going to be in chapter 24. And verses 1 through 2, as we start off this week. Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. Jesus said to them, Do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. On this day, while Jesus was leaving the temple, or the main religious center of the Jews, for the last time before being crucified, his disciples, that was his chosen 12 followers that followed Jesus throughout his ministry, they approached him to point out its buildings. They were built with extremely large stones of granite weighing several tons each. Together they made a massive structure that appeared to be indestructible. But Jesus said that the temple would be so thoroughly destroyed that not one stone would be left on top of the other. This was not the temple that Solomon built in 1 Kings 5-8. through Because there was so much sin in the land and no repentance, God allowed Babylon to destroy that temple in 586 BC. This is the temple that Ezra helped rebuild. It was very small at first, and often called Zerubbabel's Temple. Zerubbabel was a governor of Judea who did so much to rebuild the temple that it was named after him. Later, it was remodeled and expanded. This work was completed under the reign of King Herod, and the structure was called Herod's Temple. Many people are not interested in studying Bible prophecy. Most don't realize that twenty three of the twenty seven New Testament books refer to the second coming, all of those with the exception of Galatians and the one chapter books of Philemon and second and third John. To back this data up, I've got some stats here that shows that one fourth of the Bible is prophecy. People cannot ignore more than one fourth of the Bible and have a good understanding of what it teaches. In the Old Testament, there's 23,210 regular verses. Of those, 6,641 of them are prophetic verses. That's 28.6% of the Old Testament. The New Testament has 7,914 verses. Out of those, 1,711 of those are prophetic verses. That's 21.6% of the New Testament. Putting those numbers together, the entire Bible has 31,124 verses, 8,352 of those are prophetic, that's 26.8% of the Bible is prophecy. Seven out of every ten chapters in the New Testament, and one out of every 12 verses in Paul's writings mention the second coming of Jesus. In AD 70, a powerful Roman general named Titus captured Jerusalem and set it on fire. He planned to save the temple, but his troops harbored such great hatred for the Jews, they set it on fire also. Gold decorations on the building melted and the hot liquid flowed into cracks between the temple stones. After the stones cooled, soldiers pried them apart to get the gold out. Not one stone was left unfettered. In Matthew chapter 4, verses 3-5, through 5, it talks about some false Christ. Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming, and of the things to be, and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. Now we come to one of the most famous prophecies in the Bible. I'm sure a lot of you have heard the the scripture at least a few times since you've been born. They were given on the Mount of Olives. That's a very high hill about three-fourths of a mile east of Jerusalem. And for this reason, they have been given a special name, the Olivet Discourse. This is the place from which Jesus ascended into heaven when he left the earth after his first coming. And it's also the place where he will stand when he returns at his second coming. He went to the Mount of Olives and sat down. Four of his disciples approached him wanting to know when the temple buildings would be destroyed and what would be the signs of his second coming and the end of the age. He began his answer by identifying several that he compared to the beginnings of birth pains. It is well known that an expectant mother's birth pains get closer together, harder and more painful as the birth of her child nears. By analogy, Jesus was saying that these signs are things that will always occur, but they will get closer together, harder, and more destructive as His second coming draws near. The first sign mentioned is false Christ. This sign is significant because the angel Gabriel told Daniel that the tribulation period will begin when the ruler who will come, that's the title referring to the Antichrist, confirms a covenant with many, which is probably the United Nations or the leader of many nations, to protect Israel for seven years. This ruler will be the ultimate false Christ, and he is the one Christians call the Antichrist. That means he is against the Christ or an anti Messiah. He is the first rider on the white horse mentioned in the book of Revelation. He's called a beast because he will be so evil, he will be possessed by Satan. And Jesus is saying that the Antichrist is a false Christ who will come during the tribulation period, but there will be many false Christs before he arrives, and none of them will be as wicked. The fact that the temple buildings were literally destroyed causes many to believe everything Jesus said in this Olivet Discourse will be literally fulfilled. Many people are critical of those who study or ask questions about Bible prophecy, but notice that the disciples, they asked Jesus about it, and he did not condemn them. He even answered their questions. These signs – false Christ, wars, famine, pestilence, and earthquakes – have a twofold nature. First, they are pre-rapture signs. Second, they are post-rapture or tribulation period signs. These five signs will occur in a lesser degree before the rapture of the church, and they will occur in a greater degree after the rapture of the church. Jim Jones, Sun Myung Moon, and David Koresh are just a few of the people who claim to be Christ in the latter half of the 20th century. It has been even estimated that there are now more than 10,000 false Christs in the U.S. alone, and there will be many more as we approach the end of the age and the arrival of the Antichrist at the beginning of the Tribulation period. It's more than a Christian problem, and it's even a worldwide problem. In the late 1990s, the Lubavitcher Jews said Rabbi Menachem Mendel Sneerson was the Messiah. Rabbi Sneerson died, and some Christians thought that would be the end of it. But the Lubavitchers said it only means that he will be raised from the dead before he resumes his role as Messiah. Now the Jews have reestablished the Sanhedrin so Elijah can appear before them and announce the identity of the Messiah. And within Islam, the Saudi royal family supports the Sunni sect which is prominent in their country. This sect calls the Messiah the Mahdi. They even have had several people, including Osama bin Laden, who claim to be the Mahdi. In Iraq, the United States has had problems with the firebrand cleric named Muqtada al-Sadr who poses as the Mahdi and calls his followers the Mahdi army. In Iran, the Shiite Muslims are expecting the second coming of a different Mahdi, which they sometimes call the 12th Imam or the Hidden Mahdi. This devotion to false messiahs explains the commitment of some terrorists. they think they are following, the Mahdi. God gave so many details in the Old Testament about the Christ that only one person could fulfill them all. To give a little bit of insight into that, we are going to share some scriptures here where we can recognize the Messiah from Old Testament scriptures. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, it says that Messiah would be a man. In Genesis 12, 1 through 3, the Messiah would be a descendant of Abraham. In Numbers 24, 17 through 19, the Messiah would be an Israelite. In Genesis 49, 10, the Messiah would be from the tribe of Judah. In Israel 11, 1 through 2, and verse 10, the Messiah would be a descendant of Jesse. In second Samuel seven twelve through thirteen, the Messiah would be a descendant of David. In Micah five two, the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, Ephrathah. In Isaiah seven fourteen, the Messiah would be born of a virgin. In Malachi three one, the Messiah would appear while the temple was present. In Daniel chapter nine, twenty four through twenty seven, the Messiah would appear four hundred and eighty three years after the command to rebuild Jerusalem. As we continue now to Matthew 24, 6, and 7, we hear about wars and rumors of wars. The Bible says, And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. This particular set of scriptures is not only a prophecy given by Jesus, it's also a part of a previously mentioned prophecy that the angel Gabriel gave to Daniel in Daniel 9. Gabriel predicted the death of the Anointed One, the crucifixion of Jesus, the destruction of the city and the sanctuary, or Jerusalem and the temple, and even that war will continue to end. The war to end all wars will be when the fiery red horse is released, peace is removed from the earth, and the nations gather against Jerusalem for the battle of Armageddon. That's the last and greatest war. But a close reading of what Jesus said here reveals that it is actually a loving warning. He is saying there will be many wars and rumors of wars before the end arrives. Those who thought World War I, World War II, or the Vietnam War was the end of the world had a right to be concerned, but the beginning of a war is not sufficient reason to think the end has come. Keep in mind that wars will be like birth pains. They will get closer together and more destructive as the end of the age approaches. The Antichrist will present himself as a man of peace. He will falsely claim to be the Prince of Peace or Jesus, but God will expose this fake to the world by causing his phony peace programs to fail. World leaders who follow him will be rejecting the true Christ and the only solutions to world problems. According to an April 1999 issue of the Prophetic Observer, In the course of human history, man has fought 4,535 wars up to the last count, and 600 million men have been killed in these conflicts. Compare this statistic with the fact that half of those, 300 million casualties, have been in wars which occurred in the 20th century. In other words, there have been as many people killed in war since 1914 as in the previous 5,500 years. World leaders don't expect things to get better in the near future. They keep warning everyone that the nations of the world are arming themselves at an alarming rate. It's not new, but these weapons of war are designed to kill. In Matthew chapter 24 and the last half of verse 7, it says, And there will be famines in various places. The Antichrist will come on the scene predicting an era of economic growth for the world. His promises will include plenty of food and abundance of goods for all people, but he will be a false bread of life, or a false Jesus, and God will not let his false claims succeed. The rider on the black horse will be loosed bringing economic collapse and causing the price of wheat and barley, or food, to soar. Multitudes will not be able to afford the excessive prices, and the two witnesses those are the two powerful men of God who will preach during the tribulation period, will come on the scene with power to shut up the sky so that it will not rain during their three and a half years' presence on the earth. Jack Van Imp was quoted saying, Warfare from earliest times has also been a primary contributor to the destruction of crops and animals, and subsequent blockades and attacks on cities and ports have been responsible for countless famines. Jesus is coming back to put an end to the Antichrist, to false worship, to war, to those who will use their control of food and water to subjugate people, to the wicked who persecute and kill Christians, and to failed policies that starve people and enslave. Famine is an enormous problem in the world today, especially in many African countries. And with thousands dying every day, some nations, including the United States, are cutting back on food contributions to starving people. But as bad as it is, things will be much worse during the tribulation period." As we know right now, we've got the war going on with Ukraine. Russia and Ukraine have been fighting, and that has, uh, with amongst other things, with uh, governmental political changes and other things, we have seen a big spike in inflation here in the United States. And as I was talking to my wife here recently. I got to thinking, you know, it's in the, in the end times, there's going to be a huge inflation that's going to take place where people cannot afford to feed themselves, and everything is going to be so sky high, you just can't afford to live. And what's going on right now has made me think about that a little bit, as we have gotten just a small taste of inflation with uh, the rising prices of, of goods and food and all that kind of thing. Of course, coming out of COVID, the supplies have been lower, whether if it's political or a, or a non-political thing, I don't know. Uh, There's a lot of weird things going on with a lot of stuff today, as you all know. But um, regardless, we're getting a little bit of taste of that right now. But in the tribulation period, it's going to be multiplied so much more to the point where people cannot even survive. So that's going to wrap it up for this week. And next week, we'll continue on into Matthew as we will still be in Matthew 24 as we start out next week on our studies of prophecies of the Bible. Thank you again for joining me this week. I'm Daniel Moore saying so long. I'll be back next week on my website, ConnectingTheGap.net. And you can check out all my podcast platforms there, also on YouTube and Rumble. Until then, don't forget that God's Word never fails us. God's Word has stood the test of time. And through Jesus' death on the cross, He has connected the gap.